it's could there are going to be moments of absolute heartbreak and fear and you're going to get through it but are things you can control and you need to focus on them rather than thinking about oh there's no cure they don't know what causes it you don't need to worry about that you just need to control what you can control and you can control how you respond to your condition just try and be positive at, at all times after an exceedingly long break apologies work got rather busy this is the first chronically fit show for months uh but i am delighted that the guest Geraint mervin uh on instagram that's a g-e-r-a-i-n-t-m-e-r-v-y-n if you want to reach out to him afterwards Geraint is our guest he is a psc sufferer and a runner what's coming up on today's show well first of all what is psc and then we talked to Geraint about how he went from not being able to run 5k to doing the welsh three thousands and if you don't know what that is well it's 15 mountains in wales over 3,000 foot and uh, yeah I don't think his wife necessarily thought it was the best idea but control is something else that we talk about and what you can control and the male response to a medical diagnosis and vulnerability. This is a particularly personal show as well as you'll discover at the beginning because um, it's something that I uh, suffer from myself but uh, We've got more interviews coming, slightly slimmed down format as my own work has got busier, but uh, I hope you enjoy this interview. And look, if you're interested in Grant's story or want to chat to him about how he's dealt with his um, diagnosis, then I'm sure he'd welcome you getting in touch. This is the Chronically Fit Show, hosted by myself, David Savage, an amateur enthusiastic when it comes to running and a PSC patient. Today I'm chatting to Geraint, uh, and this is this is fun in a way. I say fun; that probably is the wrong choice of words <laughs> given the topic of conversation. But hey, if you can't be lighthearted about this stuff, um, but it's the first time on the show we've had someone who's got PSC, which is, um, is 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 kind of strange given that it's the diagnosis that I got nearly a year ago now. So, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Hi, thanks for having me on, David. Um, for those people listening who've just gone PS, what? What is PSC? Uh, yeah, so, it's a, so PSC is primary sclerosing cholangitis, and it's a it's a chronic illness affecting the bile ducts. Um, it can be inside and outside the liver. Um, I'm an unfortunate one who has both. Uh, I don't know about yourself, but uh, essentially, um, the theory is that inflammation in the bile ducts causes scarring and eventually blockages. That then cause basically to damage of a liver and can occasionally lead to a need for liver transplant. It's not, a, yeah. well, I will say just before I go any further, it's not a 100% thing that you have PSC, you will need a liver transplant. It's it's just a common. Right, so this would be interesting, right? Because here's two people who've obviously done a bit of research. And am I right? Is your is your wife a doctor? Yeah, yeah, the wife is a, is a GP. Um, so she, she, you, you will probably have better grasp with these facts than me. So let's see if I know stuff. But I, I think it's about fifty percent lead to, tends to lead to transplant. Um, I'm not sure to be honest. I, I think it's actually lower than that. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't have the numbers to hand, but I'm pretty confident it's less than fifty percent. Wow. Okay. Well, even even better than I thought. I, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I think when you get the diagnosis, you immediately go to worst case scenarios. Uh, as with a lot of these things, and actually, yes. yeah, it's not great, 
but it's um, it's equally not necessarily as bad as you might imagine straight away. Totally, yeah. Um, when I was diagnosed, I say I did the, the single worst thing you can do, and I got up my smartphone, um, and before anyone could stop me, I googled it, and uh, yeah, got some pretty pretty frightening words thrown at me. And when yeah. I showed them to my consultant, he he didn't so much laugh as sort of um, sort of stifle a bit of a smirk and say, no, that's that's not correct. You know, these numbers, these yeah. mortality rates are not correct and you don't yeah. need to worry about them, which was which was huge, you know. Yeah. Um, if you don't have a consultant, sure. Let's um let's circle back around to that in a minute because obviously sure. this show is is also about um people who love sport and and one of the things that popped up in my Instagram feed and I initially kind of went, hang on a minute, what's this guy doing? You ran up a hell of a lot of mountains last year. Uh, yes, yeah. So last June, I I ran the Welsh 3000s, which is a um, it's a bit of a long distance route. Covers all the highest mountains in Wales. I think it's 14, 15 peaks, depending on yeah. how you count a peak. And um, yeah, I did that to raise money for PSC Support UK. And uh, yeah, I was pretty pleased with my... With my performance, it wasn't a record time at all, but uh, I gave it everything and yeah, pretty proud of myself. Something like that does not, time does not come into it. Just getting up that number of mountains is is, is impressive. Um, was it was it the kind of thing that you were into prior to that? Was kind of was was trail running or distance running off road that kind of stuff? Something that you you'd already had a bit of a passion for? Um, not not massively, to be honest. Uh, I'd always done a little bit of running. Uh, to support other forms of exercise that I was doing at the time. Um, I've always been to weightlifting and a bit of martial arts when I was younger. Um, essentially, you know, the classic story of 2020, uh, you can only exercise from your front door. Okay, mm-hmm. um, let's see how far I can go from my front door. Um, and that's basically how it how it kicked off. Uh, what, what really kicked it off was uh, we were on a holiday in the Lake District. I saw some fell runners. And I thought I can do that, and um, and yeah, quite quickly it went from uh, I couldn't run five k to suddenly I'd run a half marathon, and um, and then I floated this idea. You know, I said to my wife, I think I'm going to try for an ultra marathon distance, and I think I want to do the Welsh three thousands. And her response? Um, uh, <laughs> what was her response? Um, positive, but slightly quizzical. I'm going to say positive, but quizzical. I, um, I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why would you yeah, want to do that? Of, I think it was probably the, the sort of subtlety yeah, there. Yeah, my, my wife kind of ro- rolls her eyes slightly and like, oh, right, okay, okay, he's, if you want to. off again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, out of interest, as, as you started that journey and it progressed – what did it did it change the obviously the motivation initially was was fundraising and was seeing if you could do it it was that i would imagine that kind of remained all the way through but did other motivations or other inspirations kind of pop up along the way um yeah i think so a, a big to be honest part of the thing about the, the raising money was um me saying that if i'm if i'm going to do this i don't want to give myself an opportunity to to quit. I want to do this. I want to prove to myself I can do this. And if I've got people watching me, it's going to be so much harder to go, 
wow, I'm, I'm tired and I'd like to stop now. Yeah. Um, so it was, it sounds almost selfish, but I, I think it was a slightly narcissistic thing to do, to say I'm no. going to run 15 mountains and you're not going to watch me. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it and I thought I can do something good with this. You know, when I thought yeah. actually I got a chance of doing this, I thought, cool, this is, this is a good thing I'm doing. When you got your diagnosis, one of the things that threw me, and this isn't about me, but it's difficult not to kind of reflect on my own experience when we're talking about this, was that um, the doctor said to me that there was no cure and there was no diagnosis. And that threw me because all the way through the journey of getting to that point, it had never crossed my mind that I'd have something that they couldn't do necessarily something about. That it was kind of like we can we can kind of monitor you and prepare you and we can make sure that we're ready for the worst case scenario, but beyond that we can't do a lot. And for me, fundraising for PSC support was almost my here's an element of control of something that I can do. Was there any aspect of that there for you? Yes, totally. Um, I think you said an important word there. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've made some notes, sort of things that I wanted to try and squeeze into this conversation. And one of them was to control what you can control. Because exactly as you said, when I was given my diagnosis, um, I can kind of go into the sort of a backstory of that. And they said, this isn't the kind of thing that goes away. Um, we don't really know what causes it. We don't really know how to stop it. Um, it's it's going to be what it's going to be. Um yeah, you are completely out of control of that situation. You you are completely on the back foot. Um, and I think it's important to to act to control what you can control in that case. So you can't control the fact that you've got a liver condition. You you can't control the fact that you've, well, in my case, I've, all, I've got ulcerative colitis um, alongside the PSC. You know, nothing you can do is going to take that away but there's things you can do that might help. And it's it's not going to hurt if you try some of these things. Um, and certainly raising money for PSC support, that money goes to fund research, it goes to fund clinical trials. You know, who knows? The way I looked at it, um, to, to sort of garble on, a few days after I ran, ran the Welsh 3000s, they released the um, PSC support app and I kind of looked at how much that cost and how much I'd raised. And I thought, well, if if my fundraising is paid for whatever it was, a quarter or half of that, brilliant. That's that's something I can say, I funded that and I'm making a difference in someone's life. Um, mm. And that might make a difference in the end to my own life. You know, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's important to do that. Not many men talk about this kind of stuff if you look online and you look at kind of the chronic illness chronic pain chronic fitness warrior spoony life all of those kind of handles the vast majority of them tend to be women and whilst we're talking about control and having a lack of control that's something that and it's not i don't want to kind of get bogged down in stereotypes but it's it's not something that is normally in our stereotyped male experience 
yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I know what you say. It's um, almost it's like almost it's more um, upsetting as a as a male to be seen to have lost control or to feel like you're out of control. Um, maybe do, do, do you think that kind of perception of how you should be seen kind of is is that maybe what stops more men? talking about it or being open about it because it's it, it you have to be reasonably vulnerable because it's it's there's an element of you know that you can't you're not as in control you're not as able to make the decisions that you're able to make or that you kind of necessarily plan plan things in the way that you you thought you were going to plan them yeah yeah probably so i think there's there's a lot of reasons why more men don't speak about mental health um oh probably so so many reasons like but I think that's a very much longer conversation. But I think, yeah, admitting that admitting that there's a problem and that you're not necessarily in control of it is is probably one of the main ones. I think, yeah. Um, it's it's certainly it's something that men need to get better at, in my opinion, uh, talking about these sort of things because we all suffer. We all suffer with mental health issues at some point in our life. Um, and I don't think there should be a stigma about it anymore, but it is. I think we're just getting better at uh, bringing it into the open. I know certainly I suffered um, both before my diagnosis with different things, but certainly after, immediately after, I was a completely, you know, as a wreck. Um, but I think everyone deals with it differently. I'm, I'm not going to go into what I did to sort of try and come through that too much because what the kind of thought processes I went through, I don't know if it'd be much help for any other people. Um, but certainly I was, I was struggling for, you know, a good couple of months until, until, yeah, I sort of managed to, yeah, get through it really. Obviously you are to a degree through it now to the point that you're kind of doing positive things the welsh 2000 absolutely kind of signifies that on a day-to-day basis now what what's the stuff that kind of makes you go right i'm gonna i'm gonna do x y and z or i'm gonna be positive i'm gonna you know this is this is how my how my kind of framework is built to allow me to kind of cope and do do good things that that make an impact um i don't know really um i mean i've always been very very goals orientated um and I think possibly, um, I, I always need to have some sort of project I'm working on. Yeah. Um, you know, before before it was running, it was uh, carving things out of wood. I was always I always had four or five things on the go. I've always got um, you know my job as a I'm an industrial chemist. Um, I've always got four or five projects on the go at work. I always had four or five experiments on the go in the lab. Um, you know, in my old role. So I, I think I'm naturally a very busy person. Um, I quite like it. I quite like, yeah, being being a sort of dynamo of, of industriousness. And I think really that's, that just kind of swallowed up the PSE, which is one more thing that I can do is I can raise awareness, I can raise money, I can, um, you know, from my own health, for example, if I run so many miles uh, a week, if I control what I eat, if I control, you know, how many cups of coffee I have a day, because as you probably know, that's associated, drinking lots of coffee is associated with better outcomes of liver conditions. 
And the good news is I love I love coffee, so this, love is, it. this is fine. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a. <laughs> I mean, obviously, your listeners can't see um, can't see the screen, but there is a coffee just just over here. Um, decaf at this time of night, but but still good. Um, you know, it's one of those things. It's it's all about yeah resting yeah resting control back of of a condition. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, I guess sort of willpower. Yeah. Um, trying to do everything I can to will the disease into submission, essentially. Uh, yeah, no, I can. Who, I, who I, knows I, if that'll work, but... Um, I can relate to that. There is yeah. definitely in my kind of day-to-day, I am going to do these things and I'm going to beat it back. Yes. And that might not actually be medically possible, <laughs> but from a mentality point of view. From a mentality, yeah, you're doing something. You are fighting back. Um, and... Uh, I, I think it's. I mean, obviously, your your uh, your colleagues will probably come on and, and express it in a much better way. But I see a lot of people with chronic illnesses can tend to fall into a bit of a. I don't want to say victim mentality, but they, they can really take this label of a, of a sick person, and it becomes their identity, and it, it it can almost swallow them. And I just never wanted that for myself, um, and I just. Even from when I was diagnosed, I ended up in, in hospital to have um, have an ERCP quite quickly. And uh, from the first day, I looked around the ward and I thought, I'm not going to be sat here in my pyjamas. I'm going to wake up and every day I'm going to have a shower and I'm going to have a shave and I'm going to put my clothes on. And I'm not going to lie in bed all day because that is something that, that is just not, that's not me. And I'm not going to let that become me. Um, yeah. I think it's 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 very much if there's no medical fix, you have to come to live with it. Basically, you need to come to terms with it and deal with it in your own way and be as positive as possible. When you get the diagnosis of PSC, um, it might be followed up by liver biopsies. It might it, it is followed up by colonoscopies. It's it's some stuff that that frankly people get a bit embarrassed talking about. But on the PSC support group. You often see people asking a lot of questions if it's their first colonoscopy or it's their first liver biopsy and they're kind of unsure or quite scared about these procedures. And I think that's totally... I mean, before my first liver biopsy, I was a little bit kind of like, well, what's this going to be like? Um, Never had one. Never had one, actually. Right. Looking Ah, forward to it. I've had two and they're fine. Oh, okay. (laughs) They're just... They're a real... I'll very quickly share this. The worst bit is when they test fire the needle and it sounds like a staple gun going off and you go, you're going to put that inside me? Um, yeah. But actually, you can't feel anything and it's just a, it's just annoying because you've got to lie on your side for four hours afterwards uh, oh. and you feel slightly winded. It's fine. Um, that's my experience anyway. Uh, but was there anything that, that, that you kind of were slightly apprehensive about? Um, not really, no. I think I'm... Like I say, I've... Being coming from a scientific background, I'm very interested in everything that's going on around me. <laughs> right. So I, that kind of takes over, and I'm I'm asking questions like, "So what are you looking at now? And and why are you spraying that dye? And and so what are you looking for? And what's a good <laughs> sign? And what's a bad sign? And um, yeah, it's uh, it so kind I, of just I, became yeah a bit of a sort of a novelty for me, and maybe that's also my sense of humour, which is just. <laughs> You've got to, you've got to make jokes about this. So I'll, I'll I'll be completely open with you. It's Friday night now when we're speaking. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday morning I had my fifth colonoscopy. Uh, 
And actually, well, I will say it was one of the best ones. It was it was a, a rapid affair, a very good consultant. Um, in, out, pictures, biopsies, um, home for tea and medals, you know. So are you the kind of person then that, that's interested? Because I've never understood during the colonoscopy why they shove a TV screen of my insides in front of me. I'm like, <laughs> look, I'm fine with this process, but I don't really want to see that. Um, yeah. I imagine you find it quite interesting. Fascinated. Absolutely fascinated. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, not this this time, but last time I got to see inside my own appendix, which which I know most people would be like absolutely traumatized by. But I came out and I was just telling her, I was like, it's green on the inside. How weird is that? And, um, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to laugh at these things. Uh, if it's going to be an annual, for me, it's an annual affair. Mm-hmm. Um, you might as well see the light side of it. You might as well try and be positive because you've got a lot more to go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, look, you said you're quite goal orientated. You've done the Welsh 3000s. I know in my head... Every year, it's like, what's next? Do yeah. you have that? Have you have you kind of got an idea or are looking for stuff? Yes, um, yeah. So I've got uh, what have I got now? I've got the the icing on the cake marathon booked for February, which is up what's in Church that? Stretton. Right. Um, it's it's two loops of the long mend essentially, um, but that is uh, a marathon distance. I'm basically doing that to qualify me for. Uh, the Pennine Barrier in May, which is a 50-mile race. Mm-hmm. Um, and between between those two races, I'm going to try and do the Vale Coastal Ultra uh, down here in South Wales, which is Penarth to Ogmore. That's, I think, 50k. Mm-hmm. And then after that, uh, I've not got no plans after May. Um, obviously, I know you're doing... I don't know. I don't want to. Don't want to, spout, don't want to steal your thunder, but you're doing quite a long. I've run. said. I've, I've. I've. In the same way that you kind of announce things, I announce things because then it's like, well, I've told everyone now, so I've got to do it. Yeah, exactly that. So, so um, yeah, I spoke to you about that, and when I saw the mileage you're talking about doing, which I think was eighty plus, is it not? I just thought no. It's uh, ninety miles. Ninety miles. Okay, so I, I looked about and I thought there was no way I'm going to get fit enough this year for ninety miles, but I could probably do fifty miles. And I might as well, well do I, that to my I'll say, I'll say it, I'll say it very openly. Like I'm just looking for people who who are happy to join parts of it. If someone comes and does ten miles, even just to keep company for a little bit, if they wanted to do that, they're more than welcome. I'm, I'm probably going to rope a few of my mates in uh, to sounds, do sounds to good. do stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely um, interested in, in coming up for, that, for a bit of that. I've never been up that part of the country, so um, uh, yeah. I have to say, I I, I did the the um, Pembrokeshire Coastal Ultra. Yeah. Um, in 2020 and i have to say that that was stunning like wales is a beautiful country i i imagine that you are a very proud welshman but pembrokeshire was not a part i'd been to and that was that was beautiful it's it's very it's a very pretty part of the country but uh what i will say as well is a lot of pretty parts of england and scotland that i want to visit as well um yeah i had a, had a strong roll of the eyes a few hours ago when i when i said the words bob graham and um yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. <laughs> so look, you, you've been very open and, and I really appreciate that and, and candid, candid about your experiences. Um, look, if you're talking to other people who are facing a diagnosis that, that they're worried about, that they don't understand, what would be your advice to them? 
Um, I mean, first bit of advice, especially in this kind of modern day and age where we've got the smartphones, stay away from Google, number one, because it's going to throw a lot of information at you. Not all of that information is accurate. Um, step two, you're going to be fine. Um, it's going to be difficult. And it's going to be, you know, it's good. there are going to be moments of absolute heartbreak and fear, and you're going to get through it. You will. You will find that strength from somewhere. Um, there are things you can control, um, and you need to focus on them rather than thinking about, oh, there's no cure. They don't know what causes it. You don't need to worry about that. You just need to control what you can control. And you can control how you respond to your condition. Um, just try and be positive at, at all times. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully that's not too not too cliche for you, David. But uh, it's no, it's the best advice I can give to anyone. No, it's 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 genuine, and it's and it's. I think it's sincere. That, that's 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 the thing that I think uh, resonates there. So look, I really appreciate your time. Good luck for the runs that you've got ahead. They Thank uh, you. they sound exciting. And um, send us uh, anything that we can share to help you fundraise. Obviously, will do. Okay, uh, I think I'm probably I've probably tapped my family out for uh, for fundraising, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'll probably I'll still be waving the flag. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Thanks. Okay. Cheers, David.